About that time, about that time. About that time. Yes, about that time. Welcome to the jungle. The Auburn Men's Basketball Podcast. Holloway. Auburn Men, talking Auburn Men's Basketball. Auburn looking to push. Looks it up to Jalen Williams. No frills, no gimmicks, just ball. Katie Johnson's been a menace and continues to be. Now, here's your hosts, Matt Donaldson and Jackson Garrett. Yeah, all right, everybody, Ben and I are back for another Lost Podcast. It's, oh. it's rough, man. The road trip, uh, Auburn ended up not even going home after the Tuscaloosa. They stayed in the area. They went straight to Starkville, and it just was not a pretty game uh, today at all. Mississippi State really kind of um, mucked up the game a little bit, and uh, Auburn had their chances just like in Tuscaloosa but couldn't pull out their first quad one win. Auburn's now 0-3 or 0-4, depending on what happens with App State uh, in the quad one category. And uh, just another tough, close loss that won't really hurt the metrics much. It's not going to really hurt our resume much, but you give up a game now in the SEC race, still control our own destiny to win it. But uh, I think more concerning is some of the things we're seeing on the court. Here to talk with me, Ben Young the third. Ben, how you doing? Man. I, I don't know that I still buy the we control our destiny in the SEC race. This well, team's got to go on the road to Knoxville. I mean, mathematically, sure, but this team's got to go on the road to Knoxville. They got to go on the road to Gainesville, where even the 2022 team could not eke out a win. I think that's two losses right there, and that gets us at four losses in the conference. I mean, the margin for error is completely gone now. And, you know, we said we had a, we had a tough three-game stretch coming up. If we could go two and one, we were in really good shape. We went one and two, and uh, we're not in great shape. And I think part of the reason why we're not in great shape is how we lost. It just it just reminds you of how tentative, you know, all these things are, right? Like, it's just a two, day, two games ago. We're alone in first place. It feels like things are good. We know we have some good teams right behind us, but you go on a road trip like this, back-to-back road games, and uh, it we all, you know, you've done some great research and found some stats about the – the plight of the top 10 teams on the road nationally. This is, it's, yeah. it's part for the course, but there was something different about today that, that it, we all knew we could lose this game. I think Auburn was two or three point favorites. Um, but the way it went down was just kind of weird. And it reminded, I, I think it probably brought some Auburn fans back to the years past where this offense that we've been gushing about and we've been really praising for so long, just didn't, it wasn't there and credit to Mississippi state for some of the things they did defensively, but just not great. Not a good night on offense at all. Well, and you know, as much as I want to credit Mississippi state because they, their defensive analytics are pretty good. It was really just us. We made bad passes inside. We had sloppy turnovers again. It looked like we didn't learn a thing uh, or practice a thing differently from what we did against Alabama. And we prided ourselves on being a team whose whose 10 was going to be better than your five. But if you recall at the beginning of the season, Jackson was worried about our lack of star power mm-hmm. and our, our, our starting five is absolutely getting bullied. Um, I don't know what the solution to that is. I, it clearly wasn't changing up the lineup. The, the prevailing rumor online seems to be there were some violations of team rules that led us to start Trey Donaldson at the point and Katie Johnson at the two guard position that did not give us any kind of extra spark. Um, I think mucking with the lineup probably changed the way a lot of things functioned. 
And we just continued to see bad turnovers from that second line that had been such a strength becoming a real weakness. But even more than that, we just have some black holes on offense right now. Uh, Chris Moore has still scored, I think, a grand total of three points in conference play. He had some great looks today. He had a couple under the basket that he wound up passing on. He took two wide open three pointers, neither of which connected. And it's just, it's very weird to see a starting guy be so incredibly ineffective on offense, especially a guy that's a fourth year player in the SEC. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at our YouTube live, you know, I- I've talked a lot about it feels like we have seven of our 11 are really solid weapons on offense. And so that would leave out Chris Morley or Dylan and Cheney. Cheney had a good night tonight, but if you look above that, cause I think we all understand we're not going to get a ton of offense from those four on a consistent basis, but KD being one for six with two points, Chad Baker Mazar one for six with three points. Um, you know, Trey had six, Denver had eight, but like Aiden, Aiden Holloway, the star, the five-star point guard of this team still struggling um, with seven, like Janai and Jalen are the only guys in double figures. And it, it looks a lot similar to the teams, at least on one night where there weren't a lot of scoring options to be found. No, I'm going to say on two nights. Cause we, this team looked exactly the same that it did at Tuscaloosa, no, not but- enough movement. Not enough movement on offense with the ball. We had a much better second half because Denver and Trey finally hit some some three pointers. Oh, but but we finished. Of, that's kind of my. Point. We finished. We finished only hitting twenty five percent. We hit six three pointers tonight. How many did we hit in Tuscaloosa? Was it seven or eight? I think total. Five. It was five. Wow. Okay. So we had one. We had one more three pointer. Hooray. Um, if there's one area that I want to talk about that seems like a bright point, and probably what made this game the most frustrating to me, was. We had a chance to win it in part because of our free throw shooting. And there's going to be a lot of games that get neck and neck down to the wire where the team that can hit clutch free throws is going to be the team that wins. Mississippi State went nine of 18 from from the free throw line. Now, sadly, they hit five of those in clutch time at the end to really put it away. But Auburn shot 14 of 16 from the line today. Just fantastic free throw numbers and I think in certain situations, that's that's going to be a saving grace for us. It obviously wasn't tonight. And it was very strange watching Aiden Holloway drive into the lane and draw a foul and go to the free throw line. He missed the first one, and it was just devastating for him. Did you notice that? Oh, then he made the second one, and then, you know, he was okay. I know. It's just it, the, the weirdness of the body language of the team tonight was, was something well, that was very strange. But- I, I didn't see... I, I don't think I've seen this team look lost and beaten before. Let's go ahead and talk about that. Cause I think that, I mean, we can get into it. We'll talk about stats. We'll talk about what happened, but like, and admittedly, Ben, you and I are just fans watching from New York and Nashville. So let's, you know, I don't claim to be a body <laughs> doctor, but, but I will say I've watched a lot of basketball over the years and the first half of the Alabama game. And like we talked about, it was concerning and it wasn't concerning because we were down. It wasn't concerning because we, it was concerning the way we kind of let go of the rope is the way I put it on the podcast. We kind of let, uh, we let a few possessions slide and you saw what could happen. You really focused on the last, what, four minutes of that half, right? In the first half. Yeah. Well, this game to me, um, it just, it was very disjointed. It was very physical. Again, the refs kind of let, a lot go on both ends. A and lot still, go. And I still don't think I don't think we're thriving in that. Like like maybe we would have in years past. I don't I don't think that necessarily sets us up for success. And then you add in 
like you said, like we've had pretty much the same starting five all year. I believe we have, right? Uh, maybe Aiden yeah. came in for Trey game four or five or something. And that's not a big deal. We've talked about on this team. That's not a huge deal. But when you hear violation of team rules, we don't, we don't have a ton of like validation on that. But if that's true, it just, it just felt weird. And, and I didn't, and I can't tell if it's just a road trip where they're frustrated and the shots aren't falling. They're on the road and it's hard. Like college basketball is on the road, but it just didn't feel like the same connected group that I've been watching. Jalen looked really weird in the second half. I'm just going to, as a Jalen supporter, sure. He had 10 points, five rebounds, you know, only one turnover, whatever, three assists led the team, but like he looked tired or hurt or something else. And I'm hoping it's one of the first two because he did and not. There were, yeah. And there were a couple of times where passes were going his way that he wasn't ready for them. Right. And that happened to other players besides him tonight. That happened to Chad Baker Mazar a couple of times. Chad Baker Mazar threw a couple of errant passes that didn't seem like they made sense. The chemistry is off right now. And I don't know if that's just, you know, being on the road for the first time, facing some real adversity for the first time after getting all this positive press but uh, I am concerned. Well, we, we've said on this podcast, it's easy to have good chemistry when you're blowing people out by double digits and you're on a winning streak. This will be the test, you know, I mean, not necessarily Vanderbilt, but like how does this team, you know, it's a long season and, and how do they manage the ups and the downs and the, uh, the interpersonal dynamics that go with having an 11 man rotation throughout SEC play? Like how does all that go together? And um, I... I don't know. Like I, it's just a little concerning to me, that piece of it. Um, the, there's still, I'm not saying they're, they, I don't think they hate each other, but they're, they're definitely, <laughs> there was a different, am I, am I crazy? Did you get a similar vibe today? No, it was, it, it, and it wasn't just that the vibes were off in my opinion. Um, you've talked about this a couple of times on the pod, wondering where the leadership is going to come from. Mm -hmm. And it very much felt like, maybe less so at Alabama, but especially tonight, there were a lot of guys looking around on the floor for somebody to take charge and give them the assignments or, or direct traffic or whatever. I mean, there was so much tonight with guys unnecessarily trying to play help defense and over-rotating and leaving the well, backside of plays open. The only thing I can guess on that, because I'm glad you mentioned that, like, that had to have been our scout. And I think we were trying to send a like, kind of some faux pressure towards Tolu Smith at times and make him give up the ball, which worked occasionally. It, it was, but it, it had to have been game planned. That's the only thing I can guess. Right. I mean, sure. We can go with that if we want to, but it, so much of it seems to be, you know how we had an addiction to blocks last year and we had so many guys getting in so much foul trouble because everybody wanted to go for the stuff. This year, it seems like we have a steal addiction. Everybody has had a couple of plays this year where they've picked somebody's pocket because they didn't see him coming in from the backside. And rather than trust our defensive alignment, we're constantly trying to go for those plays. And it's plays like that cost you on the road when you can't cash in on them. Especially down the stretch. And I, I think one of the bigger concerns, I've held off on saying this, but it just feels like we're always two or three possessions too early to panic on both ends. Like I noticed yeah. this in the Alabama game where we're starting to trap and we're starting to kind of like give up four on threes and three on twos unnecessarily when really all you need to do is play solid defense and get a rebound. I mean, we want to talk about the problem of where Auburn loses this game. 
it's primarily points in the paint, giving up 34 and then losing by 16 on the glass and giving up 14 offensive rebounds. Like that's why Auburn lost this game, despite all the shooting. So it's, I say all that to say it's concerning that with two and a half minutes left in a one or two or three point game, we're kind of out of our shell defensively. Does that make sense? Like we're, yeah, no, I I see it. The gambles just, they're not, um, they're not worth it at that point. And, and then obviously we can get to the offense and what's happening down the stretch on some of these possessions too. It's just, it's just not good. And I think the coaches and the players would say that too. We just aren't executing. We're not getting great looks down the stretch in these big, you know, pivotal moments. Yeah. We had a moment again, where almost in mirror identity to the Alabama game, Trey Donaldson got a steal, went on the other end, scored a layup, hit a free throw and Auburn's up one. Yeah. And you get this feeling like, all right, if we can just settle in, the game is back under control. We've got plenty of time left to just play our basketball game. And we're still defensively playing like our hair is on fire. Offensively, we're we're trying to make these highlight passes on these strange cuts in the lane rather than just running our our simple flex offense. Or one thing that's been killing me, because it worked against Alabama and it worked twice against Mississippi State, and we've seen it work all year. That curl play against the five out where we bring Denver Jones up to the top of the key and screen him behind one of our big men for a three-pointer. It works. That shot is there. And Denver's hitting it more often than he's missing it. And I don't understand why we're not getting into those kinds of sets more frequently great point and it it did feel and again part of this is probably just the game flow this was a kind of an old school ugly low scoring and these are the kind of games right we wondered if we could win we kind of won one against AM at home um, but these are the kind of games that can Auburn win this kind of game this year like when the offense isn't there when the shots aren't falling and and they like you said they're up one they have a chance to so it's I don't want us to completely overreact to this we've got to keep our keep our feet on the leg. No, I, I, I'm overreacting. I'm, I'm fully in overreacting mode. We flipped for this episode. So like, but I will say there's enough to be concerned about and, you know, you can zoom out and you can say all you want, you know, we're five and two in the sec. We're two and two on the road. I know, you know, that we, we beat two, I guess bad, I guess Arkansas is just bad, which is still hard for me to believe, but we beat Arkansas and Vanderbilt on the road. We lose to Mississippi state and Alabama and close ones on the road. It's not, the be all end all panic meter is not, shouldn't be going crazy with our metrics and with our record and all that. But I do think this is the big, like what you said, this is kind of the adversity, right? Like how do we handle this? And, and my concern, it's hard for me to imagine our offense. This is where we're a fan podcast, right? We're not the most smart basketball (laughs) people in the world. I don't know enough to know, how much of this is just us not executing and us not having maybe as great of a plan of attack and how much of this is people starting to get some tape on us and what we're doing, all these new things. And and I just, I sense a physicality in defending us and they're, they, they're starting to read some of what we're doing. And when they take away our fastball, if you will, in some of these sets, like what is the answer and the beauty of basketball, there's always an answer. There's always an adjustment to make off of that, that our coaches I'm sure will work on. But, it just but where you've got to where you've got to do that is in crisp, clean passing and in anticipation, and that's really what's been missing the last two days. We finished today with only twelve assists on nineteen made baskets. Again, we're way below our season average. Um, that's not bad for basketball, but it's not the winning basketball that we were playing earlier. And we only had eleven turnovers tonight. You know, we you still don't want to be in the double digits, but 
it was when the turnovers came and it was every time we seemed like we started to have some momentum and we had a chance to go up three points to go up four points and maybe start to look like we're going to stretch a lead we had a bad turnover that led to points the other way or a fast break the concern would be to me not as much because you're right like it's kind of funny you can watch this game and be like I've, I've mentioned this before auburn just turned it man we turned it over so much not really not, not on a normal team but with the high level we've seen with this team it is a little worse and i i would argue the same about a lot of the stats you see on your screen if you're watching on youtube like the the biggest thing to me watching it was not necessarily tolu smith who is a great player by the way i thought we had a decent plan he had, he had nine points and eight rebounds in 34 minutes like i thought we did a really good job with him but the concern was we got completely out rebounded by everybody else on the floor besides yep. the five man, you know, like that's the concern. Um, and one of the other things is we, we, it, it was clear we had a great plan for Tolu Smith, but particularly late down the stretch, Mississippi state saw that and they started to make some adjustments. Tolu Smith, six foot 11, 240 pounds had three assists tonight, yep. three excellent dishes inside of the lane when he saw our our front court collapsing in towards him and that is what we needed on our side by the end of the game they finally stopped sending two at janai and the fact that we weren't feeding him more consistently was brutal but a lot of teams have started to do that where they're sending two guys at janai and one of the things that has helped us combat that this year has been those five out looks and those five out sets but that's going to involve janai running around a lot moving around a lot and when you have dylan cardwell in so much foul trouble early you kind of want to conserve his win because we talked about it before. Uh, Janai is not an elite athlete. He's an elite scorer for sure. And that showed up. That was some weird. I'm glad you said that. That was some weird sequences. Now he played 34 minutes by far the most of the year because Cardwell was like magnetic to foul trouble in this game. Um, and quite frankly, I think we probably wanted to play Broom against Tolu most of the game. Um, Broom like fouled a guy a guard running back down the court at like mid court. That was really weird. Yeah. A very strange region. And it, you know, again, he only had two fouls, so it's not a big deal, but like that was weird. He called timeout when he fell down on offense and it was, there was just weird moments. I don't know if he was worn out and I didn't get the sense. Okay. Hang on. But some of that, I, some of that had to do with the situation that we were in because for some reason, KD then decided to use Janai's body as, as a screener on the floor there. And Janai looked up and realized that, oh my goodness, once again, our offense is about to run through our, our little lovely psycho, Katie Johnson, oh, a tornado of hate. And fair, just decided, I, I think that was what made him want to decide to call the timeout. That's not, a, um, that's not a call I don't think he needs. I think you get your butt up and play. And I mean, I, it's easy for me to say sitting on my couch. I, I acknowledge that. I, I, again, if, I think if Dylan had maybe had some more minutes, he might've had it, but that was, that to me looked like a frustration timeout in part, because number one, I think it should have been called from the sideline. Um, we've talked a lot about how we don't think Bruce is judicious with his timeouts. And I think we were so out of sync offensively and had been all day. If I have to watch Katie Johnson wave off our point guard one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. I don't well, know who go, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I hear you and I agree. And the thing we've, we've bragged about KD on all year is because he hasn't done that. Yeah. And I, but I wonder if Katie's starting to feel right or wrong. And this would be Jackson's point. Jackson's really on. If you, if he was on the pod, he'd be really hammering the Aiden Holloway um, vibes. Um, and, and I think that's a valid discussion that we can talk about. 
I, I do wonder if Katie's doing that a little more because there doesn't seem to be Trey definitely has his moments. And I still think Trey's been great this year, but like, I don't, I think there's moments, like you said, like, where's the, where's the juice and the alpha coming from here? And it, and we know KD will try to do it, whether it works or not. And I will say tonight, tonight was great offensively and we should have gotten him more involved. And he, he was clearly, in my opinion, the only real offensive threat during the, the whole of this game. I think I can agree with that. I think Jalen had some moments, particularly early on, where he was driving into the lane, being aggressive, being that thing that we needed. He got to the free throw line. He had all four of his free throws tonight, which you know I love. But the the problem that we've seen for, from Jalen, both tonight and on Wednesday night, is he's not hitting his three-pointers, which is such an aberration for the way he's, he's played the all year. On the team, yeah. I know, and it's it, it. there's part of me that is, just wants to chalk that up to the road. But he's now 0 for 8 on his last eight three-pointers. He hasn't made one in two straight games. And I'm hoping this isn't a trend that's going to continue. I'm hoping getting him back to Nev will will get him shooting clean again. Mm -hmm. But I I just, like, there's got to be something that you can do to prepare yourself to go on the road and not miss your open looks. Because you were talking a little bit earlier about is is the tape out on us? are people figuring out how to rotate against us. And every single one of those Jalen three-pointers was beautiful. It was in rhythm. He got right to his spot and he was unguarded. It just didn't go in. Yeah. that We're getting that look. Um, I I don't get the sense that we're getting as many good quality, open in rhythm looks. And part of that's just the level of competition. I, I know that, but it does feel you're right. Like those are the ones we got to hit. And a lot of guys, and I'll give Denver Jones credit. Like it feels like Denver when he shoots the ball when he's open. I feel like it's going in, and he's yeah for sure. Uh, that's a simple way to look at basketball, but sometimes that's how you need to look at. It. Like, do you think the ball is going in when it leaves his hand? Like Chris Moore, we love him. We don't think the ball is going in on an open three until we you know see proven otherwise as fans. Um, yeah, and even even Chad Baker Mazzara, a lot of times when he gets to that that far side of the wing where he's got no backboard help there, a lot of times you don't want guys pulling that look. But when he's open, I'm like, ah, you know, there's a pretty good chance that's going to go in. Let's let's talk about like, uh, and again, I would classify my concern with this team going back. If you can go listen to the preseason podcast, if you're really bored and want to go listen to like two or three hours of basketball content from before the season started, <laughs> um, I my concern lied in the one through three positions and the uncertainty around them and, and the unproven nature of everything around them. And um, I guess we, we kind of got to talk about every position, I think. So if we talk about our point guards, you and you, you were the Trey Donaldson Stan last year, wisely. So he has turned into a really good player. He still, I think is one of our most productive, solid in rhythm guys like he had a great unbelievable and one today like you said that gave us the lead with seven or eight minutes left it was a it was tremendous he swiped the ball he somehow finished on a hard through a hard foul it was amazing but Aiden Holloway being the five-star point guard and getting half the minutes and I think he should get that but one of the things I've noticed with Aiden is almost all his shots are threes he's obviously a three-point specialist he's a great shooter you saw a couple tonight that were great look I mean it's smooth when it goes in (sighs) But he you know, I'm I, I I'm starting to come over to Jackson's way of thinking on this because Aiden is great in stretches. There are points in the game where he's going to hit some really good shots. Oftentimes, he'll hit a couple of three pointers back to back. But the volume at which he is shooting is not justified by by the amount of shots he's making. Sure. He's now currently making under a third of his shots, 
every time he's been on the road, it's been pretty miserable. And against AM, the last really tough uh, win at home, he hit too early and then never hit one for the rest of the game. Well, and, and we bragged, we gushed about him, you know, so far this year about, man, he just seems to be, uh, he's lead, He's one of the best freshmen, in, if not the best freshman in assist to turnover ratio. He's run the offense really well. And I think more than anything, maybe tonight, the concern would be, hey, he had one assist and three turnovers in, in, in half the game, which is not in line with what he's been doing. And maybe this is the problem. Like, I don't know if Aiden's really finishing much at the rim or in the mid-range. And I wonder if we went back and looked at the tape, if you would see everybody, obviously you're going to push up on Aiden from the three-point line. But then after that, kind of just guard your your man. Like, kind of let him get in. The, you know, is he he's small. He looks small sometimes at going against some of these guys. Um I don't know if, if you, you think... if if you've watched any of the film on our point guard that's coming in next year, Pettiford. Yeah. Um. You, you and and some of this is that he's still playing in high school, but you can see it on that first step that he's got that elite first step speed. You saw it with Jared Harper. Jared Harper had that elite first step speed. Um. You didn't see it with Wendell Green. You didn't see it with Javon McCormick. Um. And I don't think you're seeing it with Aiden Holloway. I, we've seen him go to the rack a few times and successfully finish around contact or draw some fouls, which we, I, I, I'm with you. I think we want to see more of that just to continue to expand his game, mm-hmm. but he's not been a great free throw shooter, uh, especially compared to like, usually you, typically when you think about a guy that's a really good shooter, he also hits most of his free throws. Uh, he is at just an, over 80% for the year. He's only taken 36 free throws this, this whole year, which is kind of crazy to think about. Well, and that's what I mean. He's not like, and I, I just wonder if those passing lanes open up again against better competition, the more he becomes a threat um, at the rim and in the mid-range, uh, because it just feels like he's kind of getting pigeonholed almost as like a shooting guard that's a three-point specialist. When and I, really, and I think, yeah, go ahead. Well, and I think maybe that's why we're seeing Katie Johnson be more ball dominant. Maybe that's what they're just trying to do with him is treat him more like a two guard when he's in there. And I hate it uh, because Aiden early on was, was doing a really great job with our assists. We saw him with a crazy assist against Alabama where he, he drove in and attacked into the lane, drew two guys at him and passed the ball to Janai who snuck in the back door there. So we know that that game exists for him. He doesn't seem to be uh, accelerating to use Jackson's term. As we've gotten deeper into sec play, the level of competition has, has increased and his offensive ability has decreased. Well, and he's the one, the the, the interesting thing, the takeaway for me at the point guard spot, look, I think you people are just going to have to buckle up. We're going to play both these guys half the game, give or take, depending on who's playing well. Um, the thing to track will be the last four minutes and the last five minutes, like who's playing, because this is two straight with Aiden on the road where it hasn't been amazing. And I think Trey's playing well enough that I, I was surprised he didn't finish um, the Alabama game at point guard. And it, it's easy to second guess it. I, it's a hard in-game decision to make as a coach, but um, I'm curious. I don't think it's that hard. Well, well, I mean, we'll see. Right? <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying in future takeaways. Like it, does Trey start to maybe finish some of these games? And at what point does Bruce maybe go with experience a little more um, on that side? What about the two? Cause Denver, well, any thoughts on the point guard first? Go ahead. Uh, no, I think we've I think we've finished the point guard conversation really well. Um, I think we 
you you might have seen something stick if Katie Johnson had had a really good game tonight. I think adding Denver to that second unit makes for some really interesting play, but uh, I don't think I we saw enough from KD tonight, just in terms of his ability to hit open shots, his ability to manufacture looks outside of either at the three-point line or right at the rack. And I think Denver just plays too well defensively. I know that KD is kind of our, our hamburglar and forces a lot of steals. He's the team leader in steals, but... I, I don't think we need that as a team. I think we need solid stay in front of your man defense. And Denver Jones does a great job of that. Well, and I'll credit Katie too. He, he's been a lot better at that. I'm I'm, I'm going to try to choose to see the whole season picture with KD because you're right. It's been a little dicey the last couple of games. Honestly, I think a lot of Auburn fans have some PTSD with KD that goes back years. And when they see a possession like you're talking about, they kind of panic. Um, overall, he's been a really solid defender in my opinion this year and he hasn't been taking some of those silly risks it, it's it's started to creep up a little bit I think because he's so competitive and when he senses things are not going well and maybe that's why he's done so well this year right things have been going good for the most part um I think Denver Denver is is to me kind of starting to li- land in that Jalen territory for me like if I think about Jalen the last few years of like man really solid player he really cares. He try. He plays the right way. He's a good teammate. He shares the ball. He defends well. But you kind of want him to shoot more. Are, are you at the point with Denver Jones where you're like, hey, can we? You mentioned the play running the action over to, across the top of the key, but like, do we do we need to make a more focused effort to get Denver going? Because he he averaged twenty a game last year. We know he can score, and I, you see flashes. I think- well, I think part of that is that we have so many good three-point shooters around him. I don't think he had anybody that could shoot nearly as well as a Jalen Williams or, uh, you know, even still an Aiden Holloway. We'll we'll throw him in there. I mean, Trey is still on 40% for the year from three. Yeah. He didn't hit one tonight, but um, Trey Donaldson, also still a great three-point shooter. Yeah. I think Denver has done a really great job of adapting his game to this system. I think we should call more stuff for him, certainly. But I also think you're going to have a harder time Denver also doesn't strike me as an elite athlete in the same way that Katie Johnson does. So his ability to actually run around these screens and get to a spot and be there quickly may not be as polished. And I don't have a problem with us continuing to work the three-point shot through the four because Jalen going 0 for 8 and not hitting a a three-pointer in two straight games really does feel like an aberration. If it happens a third time, uh, I'm just an idiot, and and Jalen's well, completely fallen off a cliff. But. I don't think anybody, even even me, you know, uh, expects Jalen to shoot better than Jabari Smith did from three this year. You know, I, I think that he's a little above his skis on his percentage going into these games, and I I expect him to be a 33 to 40 percent three point shooter, and I think he'll settle in there. Um, he needs to keep shooting, like you said, and if we keep getting those looks, I am confident he'll keep knocking them down. We Jalen did get the dunk that Jackson's been waiting on for a while, so that was nice. Yes. Um, yes. Well, what about the three? Because there were a lot of people taking victory laps for Chad Baker Mazzara, and and by the way, I I've listened to some behind the scenes stuff with him. He seems like a great kid who loves being at Auburn. I think he's playing really hard. So like, none of this is is personal at all. But we continue to have the black hole of the three. You talked about Chris Moore. We, we've we documented it. We know that situation. Leor only played a few minutes in the first half today, didn't play in the second half. And and it got to a point, now not at the very end of the game, I don't know if people really caught this, but late in the game when it was tight, we went uh, Aiden, Denver, and KD together. So with no three. 
And then KD got taken out for Chad Baker Mazar with like two minutes left. And I, yeah, I think I think some of that is because we were we were hoping for uh, the ability to run the floor. Mississippi State plays big. Um, they started with three forwards tonight, and a lot of times they keep a lot of meat out there on the floor. They're a very old school basketball team in that way. And so I think if you wanted to steal a quick point uh, or a quick possession, the way to do that is to have your fast guards out there, your guys that are looking way down the field. But I, I think it's important you see that Chad Baker Mazar is brought back in because I do think he's still reliable as a three-point shooter. Um, he was, I believe, our second leading scorer against Alabama. So uh, his game against Alabama definitely wasn't terrible. It may not have been on the level that some of his early SEC play was, but we're starting to find out that, uh, yeah, he was our only other player besides Janai in double figures against Alabama. Um, he may not be the the level that we had hoped he would be. Uh, I was on the record earlier this year saying we would have been a much better team with Alan Flanagan still here. I think the numbers continue to show that. Um, but I, I, everybody was a black hole tonight. I don't want to. I don't want to try to pin this on just the three. I think That's we a, didn't get enough. I, I I don't think we got enough out of Jalen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Janai. Yeah, except for except for Janai and Janai. Oh man, the 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 games that he continues to have to put forward in, in and the efforts that he's putting forward in these losses can be a little bit heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had 25 and 14 against Alabama. He had 14 and seven tonight. He also blocked, I think, four shots tonight. No, he had three blocks tonight, but he had four against Alabama. 34 minutes tonight because we couldn't keep Dylan out of foul trouble. I mean, that's a lot to ask of one guy. And he had a three-pointer. We forgot to talk about Janai hitting a three-pointer tonight, which was huge. Mm-hmm. And he hit it when it mattered. The game the game was tight. game was tight, and we needed a three-point shot, and Janai stepped up and hit a big one. I think – Maybe it's a good point. All, all that's good. I, my only point with Chad is like he did grab six rebounds in 23 minutes, which led with Janai. So kudos to him for that. That really shows he, he was getting in there and trying to box some dudes out because it really felt like outside of Janai and, and Jalen most of the time that there just wasn't a lot of rebounding help. And Mississippi State no. was attacking the glass with all four, with three or four guys and uh, sometimes five. And like it, my concern would be. Honestly, whether Chad Baker Mazar is on the floor or not, or if we were to start playing with a Denver, Aiden, Amy, that is a small three spots on the floor. And I just wonder if we'll start to feel really small rather than hopefully this is a Mississippi State problem, not an Auburn problem. We'll see as the season goes on. But I do have some concerns. You know, we felt so big with Janai and Dylan and Jalen. And like we, we have this really good front court that's experienced. But man, when you don't, it felt like their wing players were just massive and built humans who were flying in for rebounds and kind of punishing us a little bit. Yeah, they they played a lot of they they, they played a lot of meat. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Uh, um, Hubbard is their smallest guy at five foot ten, but he was looking like an incredible athlete. He didn't play like a freshman tonight uh, in his first start. He finished seven of sixteen from the floor. He was three of nine from three, which was huge for them. But um, it was really yeah. Talking about the three position, I think we got a little more serious tonight. Lior only played one rotation, um, which I think is smart. They continued. I think they're probably going to continue to try to sneak him out there in the first half just to get some guys some rest. But the the fact that we continue to just get nothing offensively from Chris Moore is brutal for this team. 
we got production from pretty much everybody tonight except for him and obviously Dylan Cardwell, who got in way too much foul trouble. I made Dylan Cardwell our player to watch going into this because I knew Mississippi State was going to throw size at us again and again. Mm. Um, we've seen we've seen Dylan play some of the best basketball of his career, but I don't think we'll be successful as a team if he's only playing six minutes. Mm, I agree. And tonight was that pretty much all foul trouble. Right? Like he, he just got – he had three yeah. fouls in the first half in limited minutes, and he got his fourth pretty soon in the second. So, not good. I was trying to look up. No. And and the thing that's so frustrating about that, too, is Mississippi State had so many things go wrong for them tonight. They were miserable from three. We actually outshot them from three. They finished at 24%. Uh, they, they were 45% from the floor, but they only got up 56 shots. Um, we got up the same number of shots as they did, despite the fact that they turned the ball over 15 times. They only got seven points off of their bench. I mean, so many things went wrong. And the thing that's most frustrating in this SEC race is when you're going to beat a good team on the road, you have to be able to take advantage of their mistakes. And we did it in the second half, a little bit against Alabama, but I've now watched this for three halves, mm -hmm. fail to really take advantage of other teams' mistakes. Yeah, especially, and, uh, especially, and because we, and yeah. we made so many of our own that were just completely unnecessary, you know, just like... Yeah. Yeah. Real momentum killers, and it's just like that's the difference between a good team and a great team. I still think we're a good team, but I, I let myself believe the hype a little bit. I thought we were a great team. I thought the analytics really bore that out. I thought the way we were burying folks bore that out. But we've now seen this team face a little bit of adversity where things are not going right, and you just have to take advantage of other teams' mistakes when they give you a chance to go up four and then stretch the lead to six and force them to play from behind in their building. That's going to be so huge. And we did so many things right. We got them late in the shot clock with the game tied. And then we let them come in and hit a three-pointer with seven seconds on the shot clock. Because that's going to happen. That's that's going to happen on another team's court. They're going to hit those hero shots. Credit credit to whoever that was. Was it Hubbard? And somebody made an think, incredible three that really set the tone for the down-the-stretch part of the game. And that that was an amazing the shot clock, falling away, great defense, just – but like you said, who's gonna who's gonna match match that and make those shots? And it's a great reminder too. I, I have really well, my my thing is don't be in don't be in those situations. Right, don't right. don't be don't be on somebody else's court and give them a hero moment because they're probably gonna get it. Well, the lie, right? And we were saying this in our group chat. The lie is like, man, we're playing so bad and we have a chance to steal it. Go steal it. Well, when you put yourself in that position, and it, the more I watch college basketball, the more that race to the final TV timeout is just huge and this team i just i'm sure they can win some games being down three or four points at the last tv timeout but i would much rather this team be ahead because of the foul shooting like you've said and because and look, we I, haven't seen it yet i just don't trust quite honestly i mean until i see some different things i just don't love our late game offense i just don't i don't i, damn. And I, I don't love our i don't love our late game coaching decisions it, it feels like we don't have any confidence it feels like we're still trying to figure out what's going to stick um, we, we were turning over the ball late on strange passes and like trying to rely on athleticism instead of scheme. And that, that I think it, it get definitely gets you beat on the road, but I think it gets you beat a lot more. Well, here's my, more than that. my, my only other point would be to finish, to wrap up about Chad Baker, Mazzara, cause I wanted to, you know, where we, he's played seven SEC games. And, and I think a lot of people would argue that perhaps he is the guy that like elevates this team more than anybody. Like maybe he's the one that can like, dictate a little bit of where we're going and be an offensive threat and in four of these games he has scored two five 
five, and three. Now, he had a 19 in there. He had 11 against Alabama. But, like, that's concerning. If if you think he is one of our biggest offensive weapons, and, and you talk about it, it's not necessarily his fault, but we know Chris Moore and Leo aren't going to light up the score sheet from that position. So it's kind of not fair, honestly, that so much is on him as a JUCO transfer into this level of playing. But I just I'm, – I, I'm hesitant – and this is the reason I've been hesitant with him all year is like, I think he's been a really good player, but is he our second best? If he's our second best offensive weapon, I don't love our chances to be quite honest. Yeah, I don't either. But um, some of that is going to come from the fact that we've got to, we've got to shoot better from three, um, particularly on the road. We did a little better tonight than we did against Alabama. We did a little better against Alabama than we did against app state. So we're seeing some improvement there, but What's clogging the lane for our good cutters mm. is when if Jalen goes to the key, he is not drawing more attention. Mm. And when Jalen's going outside, they're looking for those guys who are trying to find the back door. They're looking for Denver on a cut. They're looking for Chad Baker Mazzara on a cut. And that is if we can get Chad Baker Mazzara in a one-on-one, he's going to draw a foul or he's gonna he's gonna hit. But what he's having to settle for instead is seeing too many bodies between him and the basket. And pulling up and shooting a mid-range jumper that's just not really effective. He was one of six from the floor tonight. That's not winning basketball for him. Yeah. And again, uh, we can't expect him to be a world beater every night. I just think it, it's something I'm tracking for sure. Because I do have also concerns about really that entire three position defensively as well. So, um, but Jalen's Jalen's got to be better. Um, I think we point guard play has been key to this run. And I think we, I think you can point a lot of that at Aiden right now. And Aiden would probably be the first to tell you that he's not playing at the level that he would expect himself to play at. Did this, did this feel to you like his worst game as an Auburn tiger? (sighs) Here's what I think. I think people are getting, (laughs) that was a big sigh. I think people are getting, and understandably so I feel some of this too. I think people are seeing some of these late game scenarios and it's kind of overwhelming their vision of him throughout the game. Um, I don't think he's been awful. I think he's missing a lot of open shots and I think he's struggling. No, no, no. I didn't say, I didn't say awful. I just said, was this his worst game in an Auburn uniform? I think there have probably been worse ones that I, I feel like there's been worse ones than this, but I think there's ones where he's scored less, but I just feel like this was one of those games where we needed him to be that sort of field general. And I don't think he could quite step up. Well, and I want to I want to put I, I want to put that out there because I have some hope that you know during that win streak he was able to lean on his teammates a lot more he was able to hide a little bit he hasn't been able to hide in some of these bigger moments and he's had to sort of come face to face with the realities of his game yeah and I, I I've got some hope that eventually this team's going to turn a corner but I'm starting to sound like I did last year where I kept saying you know I don't think this team's played their best yet and then we <laughs> maybe played our best in that Tennessee game at the end of the year when we when we had to have it the strength, scrape into the tournament. The strength of this team has to be the depth. And the more we watch games like this where there's not the depth of scoring, especially on offense, it's going to be a struggle. Because I think Jackson's right. Uh, you know, sometimes both things can be right. Do you have to have star power and one elite player to make a run? Of course not. You, you can make a run with – 10 guys who can all play and share the ball. We've seen how pretty that is. But if you're not going to get that depth of scoring, (laughs) do you want a guy like Jabari Smith or an elite talent that you can give the ball to and go? Absolutely. And what I don't want to see happen 
is us getting in a position like we were late last year where it was Janai or bust pretty much. And then we're just hoping to get anything. Yep. That has not been the story this year. But maybe the reason today's a hard game is because it reminds us of that feeling of like, who's going to be able to hit shots and score. And we haven't said that really all year about this team. Yeah, just one guy to hit a shot. So do you want to take a quick look around the league before we wrap up today? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so there's some interesting things happening right now. Uh, South Carolina won at home today, which is big for them. They are now uh, tied with us in third place. Wow. Yep. Yeah, South Carolina's had the benefit of a, of a fairly easy schedule, but they picked up a big win over Kentucky at home, um, which don't look now, but the Wildcats are currently down on the road in Bud Walton playing at Arkansas. Our, our whipping boy is the worst team in the conference. And uh, Tennessee and, and Vanderbilt just hit the half. Vanderbilt is up five at home. Oh. Tennessee's only scored Tennessee's only scored 30 points. Okay. So I mean, we've we've talked about it. The road games are tough. And and I personally think I don't know if there's like I think Tennessee's really good. I think Kentucky's really good. Kentucky's like, a little bit like Alabama. They, they their offense is incredible, but if you can catch them on a night where they're not hitting, they're beatable. Right. And I think that's what's going to be the most frustrating thing about that Alabama game for us is we had them in a, in a stretch in that second half where they were they looked the most beatable that they that they looked in that game. How about we couldn't Kentucky? take advantage of it. Kentucky with only 15 points with 3:53 left in the first half. They are struggling, and yeah, I think you can officially count Arkansas out if they cannot finish this game uh, at home. You know, it's it's the Super Bowl of their season. I think you'll see a lot of their guys sort of hang it up and just go get theirs for the rest of the year if they drop this one. They, they need a big win for sure. And it, at home against Kentucky, you know, that's a big one. Um, Alabama plays LSU later at home. So we'll see, you know, either LSU will get knocked below 500 or maybe LSU can shock the world a little bit. And then A&M and Ole Miss battle at three and three. They'll play tonight. Keep in mind, Auburn is playing at Ole Miss next Saturday. Play Vanderbilt at home. This week, and then Adele Miss is what's coming up. So uh, Auburn's still crazy. South Carolina's there, um, but uh, again, Auburn South Carolina benefits benefits of a relatively soft schedule uh, overall. Their SEC games so far have been against Arkansas, who we know is not great. Kentucky, that's a that's a good marquee win. They've now beaten Missouri twice. Uh, they beat Mississippi State at home, not by much. And then uh, they went into uh, Coleman Coliseum, and apparently the lights stayed on for most of that game where they got absolutely creamed, uh, 74-47. So I think South Carolina is benefiting from kind of a, a soft schedule. But, hey, so did we if you really look at it. Yeah, yeah. Did we get them at home or on the road? I'm pretty sure we are going to Columbia for that game, but let me pull the schedule up and take a little look down here. It's home. Valentine's Ooh, Day. Ooh, Valentine's Day, and we get them in Nev. That's probably going to be big for a buy. If South Carolina keeps going the way that they're going, right now it's looking like Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky, Auburn, and South Carolina. Mississippi State still – they've got a lot of ground to make up. That's going to start in Oxford on Tuesday. They 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 play the first half of the Egg Bowl of basketball. Uh, Florida and Georgia, you've been on Florida. They've, they've really gotten a good bit better. That's going to be a tough road game, and then we play Georgia. Yeah, Florida is very good at home. Yeah. So, I mean, those will be, there's not going to be many easy outs. I mean, I mean, you know, Vanderbilt, we get them again this week. Hopefully we can bounce back at home, get a win. Missouri struggled. So um, we already, did we play Missouri? I mean, now? look, I, yeah, we play Missouri in March, uh -huh. but uh, I, I'm, I'm concerned just because 
we have to see this team start to put it back together. I thought tonight might have been a night for that, especially offensively. Um, but even defensively, the way we got out-rebounded, it didn't feel like this team has started to put it back together. And we're going to have to do it quick because we're going to play at home uh, against Vanderbilt. Then we go on the road at Ole Miss. And then Alabama comes home. You drop the second game at home to Alabama and you kiss the conference race goodbye. But also kiss kiss a chance at, at being one of those top four seeds and getting the double buy in the SEC tournament goodbye. Yeah, that's big too. I think that's a really good goal for a team that was pick six, you know, to be in that race and be in the hunt. Um, mathematically, we still have it all in front of us, but it's going to have to be better for sure than what it now. Like. Now we need some. Now we need some help from around the league, but we also need to continue to see ourselves put it together. Um, yeah. It's really oh man, Baylor and Baylor and Baylor you know, and TC are about to go to double overtime. Wow. Yeah, no, that and that see that's that's why I feel like the wheels have fallen off. We played some good basketball in that second half against Alabama where it's like, all right, maybe we're gonna put it back together. We played two abysmal halves of of basketball against Mississippi State here. So hopefully that's just the road hangover and and we shake that off. But I don't know, Matt. It's gonna be an interesting week next week. Pocket watch popped in. He was live with us. Just wanted to give him a shout out. He's always always yeah, thanks for coming out. in, Pocket Watch. I, can watch I don't think a lot of folks wanted to talk about this game. The goat, the goat of our uh, YouTube subscribers, arguably. Um, yeah, thanks. I, the losses are never as fun. Um, you know, they're not as fun for us to do. They're not as fun to analyze. But you do. I mean, it's a thirty-plus game season. Um, I, you know, I said after the Alabama game, obviously we all would have taken five and one to start SEC play. Um, we probably would have taken five and two. So we're in a good spot. We're still in a good position. But the key, I think it's just been a little jarring the last, again, I thought you said it great, three of the last four halves on the road, just not quite to the standard or the ceiling that we think this team has. So that we've seen, we've seen this team play really good basketball. And they're going to get another opportunity, you know, next Saturday, not looking ahead. Obviously Vanderbilt's beating Tennessee right now. So we better, you know, not feel too bad for ourselves going back home to Neville. But, um, you know, next Saturday at Ole Miss is a good another opportunity on the road. The road game, the road wins are just gold, right? And the the frustrating thing is that we almost had, we wanted one out of two. You and I talked about it. we wanted at least one. We just were so close. You come away with zero. That's a gut punch to kind of take. Um, but long season, long way to go. Hopefully, they can learn from it and grow. Any uh, last thoughts, Ben? War Eagle anyway, Matt. War Eagle anyway. War Eagle anyway. Look forward to. Make sure to check us out uh, Wednesday night after the game at Vanderbilt. It's another late night, of course, 9 p.m. Eastern for our lovely New York friends who are feels like more than we've ever had before. Honestly, it's pretty bad. Some of that some of that's being not the uh, not the primetime team this year that we had the benefit of being ranked last year. So um, for, for much of the SEC season. And I think this year we weren't expected to be as good. So we Jackson had, we was going on a rant slate. about SEC collusion against us. Now, <laughs> hey, it's real, man. It's real. Anyway, where you go, Ben? Where you go, Matt?